celebrate the birth of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, prepare all of our hearts for what we're going to hear this evening, Lord. I just pray that uh, all of our hearts would be moved and just drawn to you and that we just uh, grow deeper in our relationship with you and just in a deeper understanding of what you have done for us, Lord, and just a great sacrifice you've made for us, Lord. Uh, just ask uh, that your hand would be upon each and every person that's going to be uh, up here on stage this evening, Lord. Just pray that you'd speak through each and every one of them. And uh, Lord, we just uh, look forward to this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the ch child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. Matthew 2, 9, 11. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been t told them. Luke 2, 20. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found, sit down, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, why don't you stand with us this evening as we uh, get to join together and sing praises as we celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. God rest ye merry gentlemen, nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, born on Christmas Day. Mourn that which is Mother Mary did nothing taken scorn. 
Scripture reading. (coughs) 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were filled with great fear. And an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. start and hear the angels sing Son of 
of rest beside the weary road than that. <laughs> I couldn't help but start laughing. I could hardly get through the song as we were singing, rest beside the weary road, and she was full-on picture of it. Good evening. Glad to have all of you here. I see many familiar faces, many new, um, but we're glad to have you here as we celebrate tonight um, the birth of our king. I thought tonight, in the spirit of a a family Christmas, I'd read a story. And uh, it's a familiar story that we're all familiar with. But just a different take, perhaps, on the, the Christmas story. Long ago, when the world was first formed, God gave dominion of it to man. He was a king in the truest, noblest, most kingly way possible. Together with his helpmeet queen, they were given the scepter of just and equitable reign over the entire earth with Eden as their capital. There was none on earth that could compare with the glory and majesty that the creator had bestowed upon the last of his creations, formed from the dust of the earth. All of heaven stood in awe as the king and his queen walked in the garden each day with their own king. But the splendor of this king was dashed to pieces when the ambition of Lucifer gripped his own heart. 
the dominion of the earth was no more enough for man than the splendor of angelic majesty had been for Satan. So a scepter was handed over to man's new master, who took it with glee, not waiting one moment to brutally use it against his new subjects. Man surrendered in that moment, and in doing so, so infected himself with the disease that would permanently corrupt the very will that first chose evil over good, a corruption that would never allow him to choose what was right, at least consistently, on his own again. Man was doomed. And what was worse, this disease would pass to his children, their children, and so on. For as long as man procreated, the curse would carry on. Lucifer's plan seemed impenetrable, final. The victory was already completed. From here on out, it was simply playtime for him. Time to force his new slaves to do his bidding, to entice them to make a mockery of the creator who had made and loved them. Yet to his great annoyance, the creator did not forsake nor destroy the man he had created, but immediately promised to continue with him and one day even redeem him. And thus began the war of the ages. The creator interacted with man, but just from a distance. Still, he did not grow weary and entirely annihilate him, although he came close once. He tried to govern them. In spite of the Creator's outward impositions of law and regulation upon man, which were really his mercy preventing man from destroying himself entirely, the enemy rested in the deep, dark secret that the Creator and he shared. That the surrender of man in the garden had been a surrender of the heart, the inward man, and that for man to be truly fixed, he would need a new heart as well. Yet, the heart was woven into each child knitted together in flesh and bone with a very corruptible seed that was passed down to him from his father, who inherited it from his father, who inherited it from his father. The creator continued to whisper prophecies of a coming king, a ruler who would somehow, against all of Lucifer's logic and reason, defeat him and retake the scepter of the earth once again. Yet how could he? It couldn't be by a man, for all men were corruptible. Through the very seed that brought them into existence, that was a closed loop, sealed. There's no way a man could defeat him. And God couldn't step onto the earth. According to the laws that were fixed into the universe, he couldn't step onto the earth without wiping out the entirety of every man that he came in contact with, let alone the very rock that was groaning under the same curse. There was simply no way. Neither God nor man could defeat him. Again, he felt his victory secure. The creator was a fool, issuing empty promises, and Lucifer delighted to remind all men of this very fact. Yet the prophecies continued. Some of them were very specific, which to Lucifer made the creator all that much more foolish. Of a specific line, David? Easy. He'd watch every descendant carefully, which shouldn't be too hard in a family of kings. Born in Bethlehem? No problem. Keep an eye on every family living there. Born of a virgin? How would that even be possible? It would violate the laws of nature that God had set up. Yet in spite of all this, against his own logical deductions, Lucifer kept a nervous eye at all times, for there was a mystery that he could not see and why the Creator continued to speak of this one to come with such ease. And then one night, when least expected, from a direction never dreamed of by the prideful Lucifer, the Creator cheated 
under the cover of darkness, and skirting around every rule Lucifer thought the maker couldn't break, he snuck a pregnant virgin into the town of Bethlehem on one night, carrying a child not of human man, but of the very spirit of God himself. The curse had been dodged. Somehow God had found a way to step into the storyline, became a character on the page, and continued to define the rules of his own universe as he went, without breaking ones he'd already established. He fused himself with mankind, something Lucifer never even dreamed could have happened. The mystery of how God would accomplish all of this was realized in the humble manger in which God, the creator, lay now bonded together with human flesh. By the time Lucifer realized what was happening, he tried to stop it. He lashed out in brutal rage, lived out vicariously through one of his human pawns, Herod, slaughtering all that would even be close to the same age of this new child. Surely the child would be annihilated. How could any escape such brutality? And for 30 years, he thought that he had put an end to it, that he had crushed that one feeble attempt of the creator to bring an end to his reign, that God had blinded his eyes to his own defeat, to the day that his own head would be crushed by this small child who would become a man and who would go to the cross. That is part two of the story, which you will have to read on your own in the scriptures. Tonight we focus on the manger, the mystery of the manger, from perhaps more of a perspective of our enemy, which might be a little unsettling on a Christmas Eve. But I thought about this, and for some reason this thought gripped me uh, the past month, maybe even longer, of just thinking about the wonder of this cosmic battle going on. Have you ever stopped and wondered at the mystery of the manger, the cosmic battle that was going on behind the scenes? Why did God do it the way he did it? Why the secrecy? Why the humble parents that he chose, the humble origin story? Why was the only testimony to the supernatural events that night, the angels singing on the hillside, wrapped up in the testimony of shepherds, individuals who wouldn't have even been seen as credible in those days? Why not make a grand entry, a stately birth? Why not use reliable, documentable, easily verifiable facts? There was a grand conspiracy going on. There was a war behind the scenes that no one was seeing, a cosmic struggle between God and Lucifer. And there were rules to the game, rules that God had put into the universe. Lucifer surely assumed he had outsmarted and bested the creator that day in the garden. Yet the creator found a loophole, a way to get in, a way that didn't violate his own character and yet would defeat the rule and reign of the enemy. Of a truth, the game was fixed from the start. As we know, God knew it was never a fair match to even begin with. He always knew how this would play out. Yet he came in a way that the enemy never saw coming and tries he may could not stop. His head would be crushed by the God-man on the cross, and death would be defeated, the curse undone. But the defeat of Satan and his reign was only part of it. The creator, as we have seen throughout scripture, seems to delight in taking the things that we deem wise and strong and mock them by using what is weak and lowly and foolish. We see this in Mary and Joseph, poor, nameless, individuals. We see it in the shepherds 
see it in the obscurity of prophecies barely fulfilled. If you were looking at Jesus as a young man growing up, you would see this man grew up in Nazareth. There's no way he could be Messiah. He was supposed to come out of Bethlehem. And if you really looked closely, you'd find there was one night they snuck in, and it just happened he was born in Bethlehem. All of this is God dealing in ways that we're not used to, but are in, in humbleness and in humility. If you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tonight. For this is truly more of part 2 of the story, which we won't go into, but most of you know how Jesus went to the cross. And the cross itself continued this outworking of God working foolishness to shame the wisdom of this age. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 18 says, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God becoming man didn't make sense. God going to a cross didn't make sense. Us taking up a cross and following doesn't make sense. And yet that is how God thwarts the enemy and laughs his head off while he does it. Satan couldn't see it and can't understand it because of his very sin, the sin that we all inherited from our fathers as well when we partook in the same sin of pride. Pride can't understand how humility can be greater, and yet God loves to make a mockery of his enemy through that very thing. The cross was foolishness, Meek, humble, embarrassing, weak surrender, but it was the very thing that God used to destroy the enemy and his work. So tonight I exhort you to wonder once again at the mystery of the manger. Laugh at the downfall of our adversary. The sneakery of the creator, if that can be a word. The brilliance, the humility, the victory, and the hope. If you have not partaken in that, you haven't been redeemed by the gift of Yeshua who came accepting. What better time than at Christmas when gifts are given freely, but the greatest gift Yeshua was given as a child and as a man on the cross for us. Let's pray. Our God, <laughs> you are just amazing. And the way that you worked all of this leaves us in wonder. I thank you, God, that nothing takes you by surprise, not even the fall of your creation. You had a plan, and you worked it to your glory. Thank you for your son here. Thank you for Jesus who came. And the hope and the joy we have in this season because of him and for no other reason. We rejoice in him tonight. Amen.
starlit hillside, shepherds watched their sheep. Slowly David's city drifted off to sleep. But to this little town of no great renown, the Lord had a promise to
are going to be doing the lighting of the candles. So I believe they're going to be passing out the candles. And while they're doing that, I'm going to look for my music. Go ahead and, uh, Derek, are we supposed to stay seated or can we stand? Okay, let's go ahead and stand. Try not to light your neighbor on fire as you stand up. And uh, we'll go ahead and sing. And we're going to do a little different order than what's in your program. Sorry. <laughs> um, we're going to be singing Silent Night first here. time with a song angels from the realms of glory and just as a as a charge as we go out to just at that night the shepherds were called to come and worship the um, <coughs> the wise men came to worship and this morning or this evening and tomorrow morning we come to worship and just a call for us to come and worship Christ our Savior
our newborn king. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have been with those shepherds that night. Lord, when your angels descended and announced the arrival of your son, Jesus Christ, and the Savior of mankind. And Lord, it's a plan that nobody could have conceived but you. And it's such a perfect plan, Lord, that you should give your son as a sacrifice for our sin to pay the penalty that we ourselves owe, a penalty that we ourselves could not pay. And Lord, we're just, uh, as we remember this night, we also look forward to your coming again, for Jesus will not be coming as a baby the next time. He'll be coming riding on the clouds in all of his glory. And Lord, we just look forward to that day as well, Lord. And uh, just thank you so much for this evening. Just thank you so much for this time of year as we especially remember what you've done for us through your Son and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a wonderful Christmas. probably figured it out, but you can blow out your candles, and the box will be back in the back, so just drop them off on your way out the door. Merry Christmas.